Oh, John, what, what a great reminder for us. I think this is a, that was a, the perfect way to, to launch us into this, this Christmas season. The reminder for us to, to turn our eyes upon Jesus. And as we turn our eyes upon Jesus, the things of this earth seem to grow strangely dim. And what a more fitting time for that message than for Christmas season, when we get busy. You know, it's great this morning to see uh, the beginning of this, of this Christmas season. There's decorations that our decorating team put on, and the Lord decorated the outside with some, some, some snow that I was sort of complaining about as I drove in, and then I thought about it uh, you know, the Lord gave us that. It's Him that provided it for us, and I must be thankful for what He has given. And so, um, it is Christmas season. As we, as we enter into this, this series that we're calling Prophet, Priest, and King, we, we want to look over the next three weeks at, at how Jesus fulfilled the offices of the New Testament, of the Old Testament, and and, and how this baby that was born in Bethlehem became a prophet, was a priest, was a king. And then how that applies to us today. Because prophetic ministry Jesus fulfilled by speaking truth and applying it to the men and women on behalf of God. And, and, and as a priest, he was an advocate for God or as an advocate for people. And as a king, he was the king of the earth. But I want to start this morning by getting us into the Christmas season by reading the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. And then we'll jump into what it meant for Jesus to be a prophet. Luke chapter 2. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth into Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for him in the inn. And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in, in, wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of hosts, of, of heavenly hosts, appeared to the, to the, with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to man on whom his favor rests. 
And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened with the, what the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds had said. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her hearts. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. Father, as we look at the life of, of, of Christ over the next several weeks, Father, would we be able to, to see him than more than just a baby that was born in Bethlehem? Father, open our eyes to see how this baby born 2,000 years ago has impacted our lives today and our eternities. May we rejoice in him and remember him and celebrate him this season. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So we want to look this morning at, at Jesus as prophet. And but before we begin, I want, I want us to understand what a prophet was in the Old Testament. So a prophet in the Old Testament, they were spokesmen for God. Spokeswomen because they were prophetesses as well. But a prophet is an Old Testament in the Old Testament, was someone who, who, who was used by God to communicate his message to the world. Now, prophets were also called seers. Um, they, were, they, they, were, they were spiritually speaking as God gave them insight. Prophets can be divided into two different types of prophets. There were the writing prophets like Isaiah and Daniel and Amos and, and Malachi. And there were the non-writing prophets like Elijah and Nathan. And a, and, a, and a biblical prophet had two primary functions. They were to deliver God's message to their generation. So then in this role, the prophet upheld God's righteousness, condemned injustices that God showed him that, that existed in the people. And, and oftentimes because of this, the boldness that, that, that these men had to denounce the, the evil that was happening, they, they, were, they were very unpopular often faced persecution and death because of their prophetic ministry of, of telling the people what they saw, what God had showed them and the message that he had given them. But they also had the responsibility of predicting the course of the future events. So God would give them messages of what would happen in the future. So they predicted the fall of nations. They predicted the outcome of military battles and, and coming judgments that God was going to, to bring upon people. Sometimes their predictions were immediate, but oftentimes centuries would pass before their predictions or these events would ever occur. But in every case, they had to be 100% correct when they said, Thus saith the Lord. They were men of prayer. 
As you read the prophets, you'll see how intensely they prayed. They were men who performed mighty deeds around them. They, they were able to call down fire on altars and, and make it rain and make it stop rain. And they could raise people from the dead. They did all kinds of miraculous things to glorify God. But they also were men who suffered intensely. You know, Isaiah was sent to people who would be ever hearing and never understanding. How discouraging would that be to think that, that your message would never be heard? Ezekiel ministered to rebellious people and, and Elijah ran from Jezebel, the, the, the queen of Israel. Jeremiah was thrown into a cistern. Jesus spoke of them as those who kill the prophets and stone those who are sent. And so, so these guys were, they, they were, I would guess, pretty interesting characters. And, and they were not, I don't think they ever won any popularity contest anywhere they went. People didn't like them because they spoke truth, because they spoke what God had given them to tell the people to warn them of coming judgments. So prophets weren't, although they were powerful men, used mightily of God, they often weren't very popular. But they did great things. As you read through Isaiah and Jeremiah and, and, and all of the prophets, they did some amazing, crazy things for God. I mean, what would that be like to, to, to pray and rain would come or, or to pray and fire would come down and, and destroy everything on the altar? That would be awesome. But in spite of, of all of the great things that they did, Moses, who was the greatest prophet, said in Deuteronomy 18, he spoke of Jesus, the greatest prophet. And, and he says in Deuteronomy 18 that the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me among your brothers. You must listen to him. Then in verse 18 he says, I will put my words in his mouth and I will tell them everything I command. And Moses was pointing forward to Jesus Christ. And when you read the prophets, they were always pointing forward, looking forward to this time when the Messiah would come. But here Moses says, there's going to be a prophet coming that is even greater than I am. You must listen. And then in Acts chapter 3, when Peter gets up after the Holy Spirit has come down, he reminds the people of this verse. Because all through Jesus' life, the people were always wondering, is this the prophet that Moses was talking about? Is this him? And Peter reminds them in, in Acts chapter 3, verse 22, he says, The Lord your God will raise up a prophet from among them, your own people. You must listen to him, and anybody who doesn't listen to him will be completely cut off. He says, look, you needed to listen to Jesus. He was the greatest prophet. And he tells them that, that the miracles that, that Jesus had done 
was proof that he was, and the fact that he was resurrected from the dead was proof that he was the Messiah, that he was the greatest of all of the prophets. And that his life, and that although Moses and Elijah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Hosea, all these prophets lived and died looking forward to this Jesus that you have just put to death. And then Peter also in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, he's talking here to the church about the salvation that they have been given, that we have been given. And he says this, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully inquiring what person or time that the Spirit of Christ in them would, was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them, now listen to this, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. In the things that they have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into, things into which the angels long to look. Now, let me explain what Peter was. So what Peter was saying, look, these prophets that, 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 that you read about, that you read, that, that Moses talked about, they long to look into this thing that you have now experienced, Jesus Christ. They longed to see the day when he would come. They pointed forward to when he would come. The Old Testament prophets, Peter said, were, were serving us, were serving New Testament believers, pointing us to Christ, the greatest prophet. In Hebrews chapter 1, the writer says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The writer says, in the past he talked, he used the prophets to speak to us. In this day that you have experienced, he used Christ to be the prophet, to speak to you truth, and to speak to you about the future. You see, Jesus, as a prophet, he showed the people their sin. He showed them the, the evil of their way. But he also, he didn't just, just speak to his generation. He pointed them forward and predicted future events that would come to pass. And so Jesus, as a prophet, spoke to the people in the present and he pointed them to the future. So Jesus fulfilled this, this office as prophet in the days that he lived. But what made Jesus so much greater than the other prophets was that not only did he hear from God, but he was God. 
And here's where this incredible mystery comes in that we wrestle with during the Christmas season is that, is that God came down, made himself human, limited his, his, his power by, 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 be, by, by putting himself into a body. Remember, Jesus often would say, I can only do what I've seen, what my Father what shows me to do. He became very human. He became very vulnerable. But in that, he was still God. And he had a message for his generation and a vision for the future. Like the rest of the prophets of old, he was a man of deep, intense prayer and a man, a prophet who who performed incredible miracles. And oftentimes when, uh, when, when he would perform great miracles, the people would ask, is this the prophet that Moses spoke about? Is this him? Could this be? Because they longed for this prophet to come. And remember, it had been 400 years since the last time God spoke to a prophet. When we get to the time of Jesus, so he doesn't just walk in the presence of God like the prophets did. He, does, he doesn't just walk in intimacy with God the way that the prophets did. He is God. Fully and perfectly present as God. He is the radiance, as Hebrews 1, 3, the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. When we see Jesus, we see God's character. In Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, it said, There is one mediator between God and man. That man is Christ Jesus. He is fully human, able to relate fully to us as, as human beings, but he is also fully God and able to relate fully with God. And he is the perfect mediator. He is the perfect prophet who speaks to man about God. Gives them, give, gave us the message that God had given him. He is the one authorized to speak on behalf of God. The very presence of God in the flesh. So think about this. So in the Old Testament, you had separation between, between a holy God and sinful man complete separation. There were just a few men that God allowed to, to have communion with him. You had Moses and Elijah and the other prophets who would go to God and they would hear the word of the Lord and then speak the word of the Lord to the people that, that listened. But only a few people had that kind of privilege of communion with God. But then in the New Testament, Jesus comes, the perfect mediator, the perfect prophet. And he reconciles men to God through his death on the cross. Because remember, this baby that was born in the manger would live a life and would, also would go to the cross and die a brutal death for us. And because of that, because of his death on the cross, because of what Jesus did, everyone who trusts in him is reconciled to God. 
Because of Jesus, we have direct access and intimacy with God. We have the very same privilege that a few select prophets had in the Old Testament as followers of Christ. And so when, when we, as you enter into this Christmas season, remember this baby that we sing about and that we celebrate was much more than just a baby. It was the one who, who, who gave us the opportunity to have communion with a holy God. So because of him, we have this incredible privilege of experiencing and communing with God. Which means... That the most important thing in your life is your personal relationship with Jesus. There is nothing on earth more important than your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now listen to me here. You know, there's nothing more important. There, 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 there is so much that we allow to rob our intimacy with God. There are so many things that we allow to rob our, our personal time, our personal communion with God. I mean, I think about my week. How much of your time this week did you allow the world to rob communion with God? How much communion did you have with God this week? And how much do you understand the incredible privilege that it is for me to be able to come before God and speak to Him and He hears me and He loves me? There is nothing more important. Your business isn't more important job isn't more important your 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 earthly relationships aren't more important your your activities aren't more important than this incredible opportunity and privilege we have through Jesus Christ to speak one on one with the Holy God. And I'm afraid we allow ourselves to be robbed of that intimacy. Because it is out of my relationship with the Holy God that everything else in my life flows. It is out of my relationship with a holy God that I become a good husband. It is out of my relationship with God that I parent in a godly way. It is out of a holy relationship with God that I interact in a godly way with the people around me. And if those relationships are broke, you need to go back and ask, how is my relationship with God?
We must find contentment in communion with Christ. Our contentment can't come from the things the world offers. He is better. His presence is better than anything else. Jesus is better. You see, because we have as believers now, We have a prophetic voice. We are the prophetic voice. The church is the prophetic voice for today. What makes you say that? Acts 1.8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, when the Spirit comes down upon His people, upon us, upon us who believe, and I want to to make this plea to you this morning, if you don't know Jesus, you're missing out. If you've never received Jesus and experienced intimacy with Christ and and, and relationship with the Father, you're missing out. Your eternity is at stake. You must know Jesus. This baby came to live to be a prophetic voice, to die, to be resurrected so you and I can live. Do you know him? Have you received him as Savior? Because then those of us who have received him, we become a prophetic voice because the Holy Spirit has, become a, has come upon us and as Acts 1.8 says, we are to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth to preach the good news, to warn people, to tell them the message that God has given us. That's what prophets do. They tell the message that God has given them. You see, we have the power to proclaim His Word, and He has given us a mission to multiply His Word into all of the earth. That's what prophets do. Now, you may get a little freaked out by saying, look, I am a prophet. I have a prophetic voice. But, but that's what Acts 1.8 is talking about. We have a prophetic voice as followers of Christ to proclaim the good news. Our mandate isn't to gather here every week, week after week, and go home and come back again next week and gather together and go home and come back and do this over and over for weeks and months and years. Our mandate is what Jesus told us in in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus said, I have been given authority in heaven and earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Our mandate is to gather and go. 
And the prophetic role of believers continues. But as believers, we must be committed to the study of the Word, to understand God's words, to use it to guide our daily lives, to speak truth in love. We are the body of Christ who was the greatest prophet. We are the prophetic voice in our generation for the advancement of the kingdom of God. We, like the prophets of old, are to be people of prayer. We, like the prophets of old, are to be people of great deeds. Now, we're not out there calling down fire on altars and making it rain and and stopping the rain, but we are to perform great deeds in the name of Jesus. We're to love people and care for the, 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 the sick and the needy, and we're to love people. like the prophets, we will be people that also may experience suffering for his name. We have brothers and sisters all over the world today that that are dying because of their prophetic voice. Because they're proclaiming a message of hope to a dying world. But, But let me remind you that that this world is not our home. Apple Creek is not my home. Ohio is not my home. The United States of America is not my nation. It is where I am a resident. It is where I have... but, but, But that is not my hope. My president is not my hope. My government is not my hope. Jesus Christ is my hope. He is my future. And therefore, when I understand that this world is not my home, it changes the way I think. It changes my priorities. You see, brothers and sisters, we as followers of Christ long for a far better country, a heavenly one, a place where we will be for all of eternity. That is our home. Our home is there, and that is where we must set our hopes. That is where we must set our priority uh, of looking home. The prophets of old looked forward to a better future. They pointed us to a a more perfect future when a Christ would come. Jesus points us, pointed us to a better and ultimate future in heaven. And we must point people to to a better reality than this home. We are called to take the gospel to the nations. I think we must do like the shepherds did. I I love the end of Luke chapter 2 
or the, the, the story of, of the birth of Christ, when the shepherds had experienced Jesus, when they had gone to the barn where Jesus laid in the manger and they had looked at him, they experienced the Messiah. And I wonder what that must have been like, but, but it must have been the most amazing thing they had ever experienced because it says that in verse 16 that, that they hurried off, they found Mary in the, in the manger, and then, then it says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. And it says, and the shepherds returned to their fields, glorifying and praising God for the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. We need to be like the shepherds. And when we experience Jesus, when we experience the forgiveness and, and eternal life that comes through Jesus Christ, we must go and tell concerning the things that we have seen and heard. Brothers and sisters, I think if we go and tell, when we do what Jesus mandated us to go and make disciples, I believe people will be amazed at what they hear. Not all will receive. They didn't receive all of the words from the prophets. They didn't receive all of the teaching from Jesus, but there will be those that who are amazed and those whose lives and eternities are transformed because we have gone. Because we have exercised our prophetic responsibility to go and tell, to speak on behalf of God. And we do that through his word. I'm not claiming extra biblical revelation. I'm claiming that we speak the truth that comes from God's word to people who need to hear. So let's be the prophetic voice that we have been mandated to be in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And let's remember this Christmas season, it's not about all the stuff that we can gather. Children, listen to me. Right here. Look at me. Christmas is not just about Christmas presents, about you guys getting gifts from your mom and dad. That's right. Christmas, this season, it's about you remembering Jesus Christ and what he's done for you and me. That is, he came and he died and he was resurrected so you can spend eternity with him in heaven. So it's not about those presents Let's not make it about those presents. Let's make it about Jesus. And let's tell others about Jesus that don't yet know. Let's pray. Father, this morning I, 
I just want to pray for those that are among us here this morning who, who don't yet know. Father, would you prompt their hearts? Would you, would you speak to them? Draw them to yourself. Show them the beauty of Jesus. Father, for those who believe, Lord, help us to see that we are mandated to go. To go and preach the good news. Father, burden our hearts for those who don't yet know. Lord, give us the passion that, that the prophets of old had in proclaiming truth. Lord, we have, we have truth to share. We have good news to share that they just dreamed about or looked forward to. Father, help us this season to focus on you as the greatest gift that we have ever and will ever receive. And we go out. Father, through the power of your Holy Spirit, give us courage to share Jesus.